Welcome once again to another week of Cross Faith Bible Ministries Bible Studies. We'll be in Matthew 26, a new chapter today. We'll be covering verses 1 through 13. And the title of today's lesson is The Plot Against Jesus. What we've been seeing the last couple of weeks is that Jesus has been teaching his disciples. We've seen in Matthew 24 that he's teaching his disciples about the end times. What's the signs of the last days, right? Then we jumped into chapter 25 where he told his disciples a couple of parables. But now what we're going to see is that he sets his eyes on Jerusalem. And he's going to Jerusalem. Why? Because of Passover. And what does Passover represent, right? Passover is, is, is a day of preparation. And it represents redemption. If we go back to the book of Exodus, right? So what we're going to see here is that he sets his eyes on Jerusalem. But while he's going to Jerusalem, there's going to be a plot with the religious leaders, right? Remember, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the elders, they all plotted against Jesus because they were jealous of Jesus. Because wherever Jesus went, there was a following. And Jesus had, had a huge ministry of group of people that was following everywhere he went. And because of that, because Jesus spoke the truth, right? They plotted against him to have him arrested and eventually crucified, right? But Jesus knows all of this. And Jesus kept telling his disciples throughout the journey of his three years of ministry, and especially towards the end, he kept telling his disciples, the Son of Man has to go to Jerusalem. And there he will be betrayed. He will be arrested. He will be beaten. And eventually he will be put to death. He told his disciples this over and over and over. But what we're going to see in today's lesson is that his disciples really didn't understand what he was saying. Or they really didn't want to understand what he was saying. But all this time while they're headed towards Jerusalem, there's a plot with the religious leaders to arrest Jesus. And that's what today's lesson is on. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew 26. And let's read verses 1 through 13. This is what it says. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, some of your Bibles might say saying all these words, he said to his disciples, as you know, after two days is the Passover and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. And they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him, but not during the festival, they said, or that they may be a riot among the people. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant why this waste, they said. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money to be given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, 
Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So let's go back to verse 1. What they're doing here is, again, the title of this lesson is The Plot Against Jesus. So what we see here is that it says, when Jesus had finished saying all these things. Now, what things is he talking about here? He's talking about the things he's been talking about, the end times, the signs of the end times in chapter 24. But he also talks about the, the parables that, that, that he was telling his disciples about the talents, that each of us are given talents for the kingdom of heaven to enlarge the kingdom of heaven, right? And what do you do with that talent? Because God wants you to invest that talent. Why? To make an impact for the kingdom of heaven, right? We said that lesson a couple of weeks ago. Then, then last week, we talked about the separation of the goats and the sheep. That's what he's talking about when he says all these things, all these things that he had been discussing with his disciples, teaching his disciples, right? In other words, teaching about the end times, how to get ready for the end times, what must take place, and how to use the gifts and the talents that you have in your life to enlarge the kingdom of heaven, right? Why? Because you want to be a sheep, you don't want to be a goat. A sheep follows the good shepherd because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Amen? So verse 2 says this, as you know, after two days is the Passover. Some of your Bibles might say two days away, right? And he says this, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Now, after two days could mean three days. It can mean five days. It can mean 10 days, 20 days, 100 days, however many days you want it to be. So this word, this phrase is very unclear. So you might be asking yourself this question, well, what is the message that Jesus wants us to see here, right? He, want, he, he uses the number too. And remember, every time there's a number in scripture, right? It represents something in the Bible. There's a meaning behind that. And here Jesus, is, Jesus used the number two. And that's what he wants us to see. That's what he wants us to concentrate on right here is the number two. And what it means is this, two contrasting opinions, right? And obviously this is going to be concerning or related to the Passover. You see, there's a big difference in what Jesus was teaching, right? In other words, Jesus knew what his purpose was. His purpose, he was sent here the first time to save, to redeem people, to redeem sinners, to, re to redeem mankind. He understands that. And he keeps telling his disciples over and over, the son of man will be betrayed when he gets into Jerusalem, right? He will be beaten and crucified. He will be put to death. But the disciples, they don't seem to understand what Jesus is talking about, right? Concerning Passover, concerning this journey to Jerusalem that he will be betrayed by, by, by man and be put to death, be crucified, right? Because look what he says. He says, the son of man will be handed over and be crucified. Now there's two things that we need to see here, right? First, let's speak about when Passover occurs because that's important. You see, if you don't understand the Old Testament, and I say this quite often, right? Especially concerning Passover, then you're going you're gonna to lose out on, on the huge part of this message and what this message means tonight. See, Passover is a day of preparation. In other words, it is preparation for what? For redemption. So we can say that Passover is connected to redemption and being ready for God's redemption, right? And the second thing that we're, we, we learn in the Old Testament is that Passover relates 
to death. Now, why would that be the case? Because in Passover, something must die, right? And there's a choice. So, so let's go back to the book of Exodus in chapter 12, right? And we see that one of two things is going to die. It's either going to be that Passover lamb or it's going to be the firstborn, right? Because what, what did God tell Moses to tell the, the Israelites? He said, take that lamb and prepare it properly. And he gave them instructions, right? In other words, bring that to your home after and spread that blood on the doorpost. That's what the book of Exodus teaches us. It's about redemption, them leaving Egypt, them escaping Egypt, right? But so we can see that the Passover lamb had to die. In other words, it's represented by death. So we can say that Passover represents death. But you see, if you didn't keep the Passover instructions, then what would happen? Then the firstborn would die. Now, the firstborn, biblically, is normally connected with an inheritance. Now, why is that important, you say, right? Because without keeping the Passover, it would affect one's inheritance, meaning what happens when one dies, right? See, Passover is a day that has long implications stretching into the future. In other words, it has eternal implications, you can say, right? But here's the problem. Jesus was saying this, right? And, and notice how specific he is. He says, after two days, Passover is coming. When the Son of Man will be delivered over, he will be betrayed and he will be crucified. That's what Jesus says over and over. He tells his disciples. And remember, Jesus uses the number two. And why is he doing that? He's doing that to show us that there's two different opinions, totally different. There's his view and he understands why the Passover happens and he knows what he has to do for the Passover. He's not going to eat the Passover meal. What he is, he's going to be that sacrifice lamb at Passover. But the disciples, they don't seem to understand that or they don't seem to grasp what Jesus is saying, right? So there's two different opinions concerning the Passover. That's the message that Jesus wants us to see here. Verse 3, then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, right? Now look at the word then here. This means at this particular time period. In other words, when Jesus was telling all his disciples this, when they were headed towards Jerusalem, right? This is what was taking place. The chief priests, the elders of the people, they went to the high priest whose name was Caiaphas. So they go to his home, right? Now understand this. All these people are religious leaders and spiritual leaders, right? They're high-ranking government officials. Now, Although they were spiritual leaders, they also led the nation of Israel, but they led them under the rule of who? The Roman Empire, remember. So you can say that these religious leaders, right? The Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, so to speak, they were basically the same as the Roman government. They both were corrupt. They were working hand in hand, we can see here, right? Because they meet with Caiaphas, the high priest, because they, they want to get together to, and get their story straight of how they're going to capture Jesus so they can bring that to the Roman government. So it can be on the Roman government that said that crucified Jesus. That's what's going on here. Verse 4. And they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him, right? 
Now, they were discussing how to arrest Jesus peacefully. In other words, in secret, so they can put him to death. That's what's going on here, right? So the word secretly means not in an honest way, you can say, right? And this sheds so much light upon this text right here, right? Because we are dealing with three groups of people, right? The religious leaders. We see that there's the high priest, there's the scribes, who's also experts in the law, and there's the elders of the people, right? The Sanhedrin. So we can say all, all these people right here were gathering together at the house or the palace of the high priest named Caiaphas, right? They got together to talk about in secret, right? How they're going to capture, arrest, and eventually put Jesus to death. So we see that they wanted to arrest Jesus, you can say, by what? By deceit. And this speaks about how bad the corruption was in Jerusalem at this time by these religious and spiritual leaders. Verse 5. But not during the festival, they said, or they may be a riot among the people. So let's look at that first text where it says, but not during the festival. So we see that they wanted to arrest Jesus secretly. In other words, in a dishonest way, right? They want to have him beaten. They want to have him put to death. But they say, not at this festival. Why? Because look what the rest of the verse says. Because there might be a riot among the people. So this tells us right here that Jesus is very, very popular at this time. He had a huge following, right? And we know this is true because we study this in the book of Matthew, that everywhere Jesus went, he attracted a huge following, right? This is the problem with the Jewish leadership, however. You see, they didn't like Jesus, not because of the man that he was, because he spoke the truth. That's why they didn't like him, right? They were jealous of him because he spoke the truth and he spoke about the kingdom of God, about the kingdom of heaven. And he called out the religious leaders for what they were because he always constantly said, you hypocrites, you hypocrites, right? You know the word. You teach the word, you experts in the law, but yet you don't apply that really to your life and you don't apply it to the rest of humanity, he says, right? So, so Jesus called them out and spoke the truth. So they didn't like Jesus for that. Also, they were jealous of Jesus because of the huge following that Jesus had, right? Everywhere he went, people followed Jesus. Jesus was a miracle worker and people wanted to see what was going to happen next? He healed the lepers, right? He healed the sick, the blind, the deaf, the mute. It, he just healed every. Jesus did miracles and people wanted to see. So he said, we, we want to arrest him, but, but we want to do it secretly. We don't want to be at this festival. Now, what festival are they talking about, you say? The Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? You see, Passover is really one day. And it is known as Preparation Day, Right? When one would have that lamb prepared, right? And he would offer him up upon that altar that was in Jerusalem, right? Now, it wasn't always in Jerusalem because the first Passover took place. We learned that in the book of Exodus in chapter 12, right? When, when they put the, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the angel of death passed over. But every year since they were, they were free, they were redeemed from the slavery of Egypt. Every year at that time, they celebrated, even in the wilderness, they set up the tabernacle and they celebrated this occasion. But when they got to the promised land and they got to Jerusalem, right? Their land that God had promised them, right? Every year during this time, 
they would take the lamb to the altar and they would prepare it. They would sacrifice that lamb, right? And the meal wasn't eaten on Passover because Passover is just a day of preparation, right? The meal was eaten on the first day of unleavened bread. And many people don't know this, right? You see, you don't eat the meal on Passover. You eat it on the first day of unleavened bread. So we say that Passover is preparation for the feast of unleavened bread. Amen? Verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper. So let's look at this word Bethany here. Because it's very important. And Bethany plays a huge role in this lesson. We can say, and we know that Bethany is located on the Mount of Olives, right? And we know that the Mount of Olives plays a very important role in Jesus and Jesus's work in the last days leading up into the future, into eternity. Because we know in the Mount of Olives is when Jesus is going to return for the second coming. And Jesus is not coming back to save, but he's coming back to do what? He's coming back to condemn. He's coming back to pass judgment. He's coming back to save that remnant of the Jewish nation. He's coming back to usher in the millennial kingdom, which will eventually be the eternal kingdom of heaven, right? When the new heaven and the new earth comes down from heaven after that thousand year reign of that millennial reign here on earth. So we see that the Mount of Olives plays a very, very important role in Jesus's work for the future. And look what it says. He was in the home of Simon the leper. So we see that this man called Simon, he was once a leper. He had leprosy. Now we know that he's cured, right? Because he's cured because he's home. Because if he would still have leprosy, then he wouldn't be at home. And you might say, why is that? Because according to their rules, according to their law, anyone that had leprosy was considered an outcast, right? And they, were, they had to move outside the city gates. So we see that this man, he's at his house in Bethany, which means he's healed. He's not outside the city gate. He's no longer an outcast, right? Now, the implication here is that he's healed. And there's two things that stand out because of this. The first one points to this. This is one of the signs pointing to Messiah, according to the prophet Isaiah, right? Why? Because the prophet Isaiah says that a sign of the Messiah would be that he heals lepers. And we see here, the second, second important thing is Simon is at his own house, which means Jesus healed him, right? Which means this speaks very highly of Jesus' messianic call to heal lepers, just what the prophet Isaiah prophesied some 3,500 years ago, right? Verse 7, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. So look where it says a woman. Remember, every time that a woman is mentioned in Scripture, it speaks about a change in context, right? And here, we're going to be speaking of redemption. So we will understand the purpose of why Jesus died, right? And what was that purpose for? That purpose was for redemption, right? So look at the second half of that. It says, she came to him with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume. So we see that this woman has 
very expensive perfume with her, right? And look what she does with that perfume. The scripture tells us she took that perfume and she poured it on the head of Jesus as he was reclining at the table, right? Now, she takes this very expensive perfume, she pours it on the head of Jesus. But if you look at the scripture, if you look at this text, it says that he was reclining at the table. Now, the word reclining here points to Passover. Because you see, it was a biblical requirement that when you eat the Passover meal on the first day of unleavened bread, that you were, you were, you were to take it, right? And you were to recline. In other words, you were to eat of it in a reclining way, in other words. So, so we see this is another hint in the text that Jesus is being anointing with very expensive perfume. In other words, he's being anointed as the one who was sent to do the Passover, not to keep the Passover as the children of Israel did, right? But to become the Passover. In other words, to become that Passover lamb, right? And when we speak about Passover, what should come to our mind? We just said it a few minutes ago. Passover is related to what? To death. So this is telling us and showing us right here that he is going to die, right? And we need to learn this biblical truth that this woman was the only one, none of his disciples did, but this woman, she knew that he was going to die. Why? Because she pours this bottle of perfume, expensive, very expensive perfume. She's anointing the body of Jesus, right? You see, over and over, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to die. He's going to Jerusalem. He was going to be betrayed. He was going to be arrested. He was going to be beaten and he was going to be put to death. Over and over and over and over, he told his disciples this, but they really didn't understand what he was saying. In other words, you can say this. This is what the text wants us to see. This is what Jesus wants us to see here. In other words, his disciples at this time, they weren't kingdom minded. Because they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. But this woman, she knows that Jesus is the Son of God. She knows that Jesus is the Messiah. She knows that Jesus is this Passover lamb that's going to Jerusalem, that's going to be betrayed, that's going to be beaten, that's going to be put to death, that's going to be crucified for our sins so we can be given forgiveness. She knows this, that he's the Passover lamb. That's what the message, that's what Jesus is trying to send us in this message, in this text. Verse eight, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. What a waste, they say. So when the disciples see this, they were, they were indignant. In other words, they were, they were bothered by this. They were angered in a sense by this, right? So they think that this woman just wasted this perfume because they say, what a waste. Why this waste, they say, right? Look what they say in verse 9. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor, right? Now, aware of this, this is what the text says, starts off in verse 10. Aware of this. See, Jesus knows their thoughts. Jesus knows what we're thinking, right? See, here, instead of being concerned about what Jesus was teaching, right? Instead of being concerned about going to Jerusalem, instead of being concerned about redemption, right? In other words, 
how he prepared about that journey, about going to Jerusalem, what he talked about over and over and over, right? What Jesus told them. Instead of being concerned about this, you know what they're concerned about? Look right here. They're concerned about money. Right here. The root of all evil, right? You see, and what they did was they sort of camouflaged it, right? With giving money to the poor, so to speak, right? See, Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knew what they was thinking. They weren't thinking about the kingdom of heaven. They weren't thinking about Jesus being crucified. They weren't thinking about Jesus being the, the, the sacrificed lamb for, so we can be redeemed. They, they weren't thinking about not what Jesus had been teaching. They were thinking about money, material things, money, the root of all evil, right? And this is sort of what we do as a society today. We let material things come before the kingdom of heaven. We let material things come before Jesus, right? We, we put all our trust in material things, especially money, instead of putting our trust in Jesus, right? That's the message that Jesus wants us to see here. Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? Look what he says. She has done a beautiful thing to me. See, this woman understood Jesus' statement that he was the Lamb of God, right? That he was going to die on Passover, right? And what she did, she responded to this, right? You see, when we understand the truth, when we have faith and we let it manifest within us, when we allow the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and we apply the truth of God to our lives, then you know what happens? It manifests good works in us, just like this woman. And when this happens, God is very, very pleased. Because look what he says. She has done a beautiful thing to me. See, this is all done by understanding the word of God, by understanding the truth. But more importantly, by doing what? By listening, right? Listening to the Holy Spirit. Listening to Jesus. Listening to God. And allow them to lead you and guide you, right? Let's go back to the transfiguration, right? There's, there's Moses and Elijah and Jesus is there with three of his disciples and a voice from heaven comes down as God. He said, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. And what's the next thing the scripture tells us happened? God didn't say, go serve. God didn't say, go do good deeds. What's the next thing that God said? Listen to him. See, God wants us to listen to the Holy Spirit. He wants us to listen so that spirit can lead us and guide us, right? And when we listen, then the Holy Spirit manifests in us. And when we listen and we follow and we obey because what, what does the Bible teach throughout Genesis all the way through Revelation? It's about faith. It's about believing. It's about obedience. Listening and obeying. But we need to listen first. It starts with listening. And when you listen and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you, then it manifests in you good works just like this woman, right? Verse 11. Jesus tells his disciples this, the poor you will always have with you but you will not always have me. So Jesus again gives his disciples a hint that he's coming to an end of his ministry, right? That he's going to die. 
But there's hope because on the third day he will rise again, right? And for 40 days here on earth, after 40 days here on earth with his disciples, with his followers, he ascended into heaven and right now is seated at the right hand of the Father until he comes back at the second coming, right? Until he leaves the heavens for the rapture of the church and then eventually the second coming, right? You see, Jesus was sent by our Father to come down and to do the work of redemption, people, right? In other words, to pay the price, right? And to pay that price and to understand the emphasis on the Passover and, and what the blood of the lamb really represents, right? And this is why it's so important that we emphasize the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Yeshua. Why? So that new covenant could be ratified because it can be put into effect. It can be put into place, right? And we know that this new covenant is a covenant of what? Forgiveness for what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? See, where godly, boldly, and wonderfully proclaims that he will no longer remember our sins, right? And this is how each one of us who are believers, and if you're a believer, you allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. You have a relationship with Jesus, right? You repent of your sins. You can have confidence that you will be in the eternal kingdom of heaven, why? Because of that relationship with Jesus, because of the repentance, because Jesus says, when you repent of your sins, I remember them no more, right? So we know that we're given a promise by Jesus, right? And that Jesus always keeps his promises, right? And we know that we will be there in heaven with him one day, not based upon our works, but based upon the work that he did, that he did for us on the cross at Calvary, right? You see, our good deeds just confirm, right? There aren't means of salvation because it's a free gift given to us by our maker, by Jesus. The only thing we need to do is seek him. The only thing we need to do is have a relationship with him. We need to repent of our sins. We need to ask for forgiveness, amen? Verse 12, when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. That's what Jesus tells his disciples. See, he says, when she poured this perfume on my body, this means that Jesus will give himself up completely as a complete sacrifice. That's what this means. She did it to prepare me for burial. So once again, he signifies that he's going to die, right? You see, this woman knew what she was doing. She did this because she understands that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God, that he's that sacrificial lamb that went to Calvary, that's going to go to Calvary, that he's the Messiah. She knew it, right? Last verse for today, verse 13. Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So Jesus says, truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world. Now notice, he's tying together his death and resurrection to the gospel message. That's what he's doing. And what gospel message am I speaking about here? The good news about redemption, right? What she has done will also be told in memory of her. So he is saying that she will be testified throughout the world, right? That she came and she did this for Jesus. See, this woman was from Bethany. 
And Bethany means house of the afflicted one, right? In other words, those who are very poor. So this woman here was probably very poor, but yet she has this very expensive jar, alabaster jar of perfume. So, so we, can, we can read in between the lines, decipher this, that she was probably poor and she probably had to save up most of her income, most of her money. But she did that. Why? Because she gave it back to Jesus. She knew what Jesus was going to do for her. She knew what Jesus was going to do for the rest of the world, right? And you see, this kind of points to when we have a relationship with Jesus and we trust and we listen, just like this woman did, right? And we allow the Holy Spirit to manifest within us. And because of that manifestation, what happens? We do good work. And we do good work here, not for us, not for the glory to be on us, right? But for the glory to be on God. Because of every good deed that you do here when you get to the eternal kingdom of heaven, you're going to be given a reward. You're going to be given a crown to place back at the feet of Jesus. Not to glorify yourself, but to honor and to worship and to praise and to glorify our maker. And kind of this is what this kind of points to that a little bit, right? So we can say this, that we need to be a lot like this woman. See, we need to be people who are willing to give everything that we have, right? To Jesus. To do good works for him, right? Him, but not only him, but for eternity and into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. We'll be back next week, continuing on in the book of Matthew chapter 26. We appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Go be a blessing for someone this week. We appreciate you guys and we love you. God bless.